Blog Talk Radio. It's February 16th, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Also, follow us on Twitter. Let's see if we have our friend Jeff in the wings. And there he is. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi, Leroy. I'm okay. Good, good. Long, long week. Long boring oh. week. <laughs> okay. It, it, uh, what, yeah. what else is going on? Anything in your neighborhood there? Cold weather? Um, there's a lot of rumors going around my phone right now, but I don't want to talk about them until I get some more confirmation. That last pretty nice, quiet little town here. So. Okay. All right. Well, I hope things are pretty good. I hope things are good at your plant. Uh, I uh, had a pretty busy week. Uh, we had a, a lot of things going on. I had some friends uh, from another union asking questions about, you know, some assistance, and you know, obviously, I uh, assisted them the best I could. Uh, it's been cold. Uh, we had minus one on what Thursday night. Minus five on Friday night that I saw. So it's been pretty cold. Today was back up in the uh, high 30s, and a lot of stuff melted. But we had to push a little snow around. It wasn't much, but we're still you know, making sure everybody can walk on a dry uh, pavement. You know, had to do a little of that. Uh, and, you know, it's good exercise to do such things like that. Um, I... Uh, uh, just you know, been been busy. I had to write a couple of documents for some folks, and uh, we'll we'll see how that all turns out. Um, we had well, we'll get into that because it's one of our announcements, so we'll talk about that in a minute. So nothing else in your neck of the woods, there? Um, no, this week coming. Um, Debbie Dingles having a town hall meeting, so I think I may go to that. I got tickets for it. So Okay. Tomorrow I have a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Okay. Well, Debbie Dingle's been a stalwart for a long time, you know, so uh, we really appreciate uh, everything she's done for us over the years, you know, so um, you know, and her husband and her grand, her husband's father, uh, and herself have been called the stalwarts of General Motors for many, many decades. So, yeah, uh, you can't get a better friend for the auto industry than her. Notwithstanding that there was a UAW member that ran uh, against her uh, in the primary, um, well, in the general. I'm sorry. Yeah, general. 
ran on the, the Working Class Party, which is a Trotsky-based uh, party, uh, and of course that's you know associated with Marxism. So that's the kind of people that have been you know trying to uh, get and hold office in our our own UAW, so as well. So it's just interesting how some of that stuff goes, you know. So we wish Debbie the best, and uh, she's actually helped uh, when we had the uh, the four uh, Congress newly elected Congresspersons that didn't understand fully all of the uh, notions of what a caucus is and how you're supposed to keep things in the caucus rather private rather than taking them out into the public. Uh, or into other arenas. We've had that same problem ourselves with the uh, Working for a Living Caucus in the past. Uh, I think that's kind of down to a low roar now. We, uh, we've had some very, very uh, good people, uh, you know, that we're uh, working with at this time, you know, in the caucus. So, and as our core members. So, anyhow, um, let's see. You want to take that? Uh, we'll get into the announcements now. If you don't have anything else about the week, you want to take the first one. Uh, you need you need to send me the notes. Oh, I thought I sent you. You should have them. I sent you. Oh, you should. There, it there is. you are. Wondering what happened. You got it. <laughs> Let me yeah. take a few while you kind of familiarize yourself with that. How's that? <laughs> okay. I was well, sleeping all day. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, you know, none of us are perfect, and that just shows our humanity, our you know human size here when, when mm-hmm. we have those things occur. Actually, I got it done early this week, so it's kind of nice to have it done and have the rest of the afternoon. By the way. Uh, Michigan, I think, beat Indiana this afternoon, and of course, the All-Star game for basketball is tonight. So we'll try and have that done uh, the show before that starts, or shortly after it starts. So, uh, so here we go. Uh, while you're reviewing those a little bit, I'll take a few, and kind of when you're ready to take one, just let me know. Okay. Uh, working for a living, right. I trust that everyone had a very safe and happy week, and we are having and that you are having a happy Black History Month. Uh, lots going on there. Okay, February 9th, 2020, CNN Business reported the coronavirus could wreck the global auto industry. Auto plants could be among the first to feel the impact. That's because of the massive size of China auto parts industry and the fact that you can't build a car with only 99% of its parts. Uh, also, finding re- parts, finding replacements for all those parts is not practical if su- the supply is disrupted, said Christian Dysak, the vice president of, of the auto, Center for Automotive Research, Michigan Think Tank. <clears throat> Number three, February 10, 2020, Indy Bay Org reported a corporate raid on Pacifica to end the, the democratic governance and remove the staff and members from any direct representation on, on, on the staff have nominated former UAW President Bob King to be their self-appointed board. 
beyond their self-appointed work. In a planned corporate takeover at Pacifica Radio Network, a group that wants to corporatize and centralize the bylaws and and foundation have nominated former UAW President Bob King to be one of the new national board members. These same people who are trying to corporatize Pacifica are involved in a union were involved in a union busting shutdown of the New York WBAI, where they violated the contract of the after SAG workers. Okay, stay, that's a stage hands. Uh, okay, number four, uh, February 10, the Laborers International Union of North America, L-I-U-N-A, local 1098, uh, took to the picket line in Rosebush, Michigan, to pro- protest who is working on construction of a wind farm in Isabella County, Michigan. February 11th, most of us in the UAW, I say most of us, uh, celebrated the late shirt day, the day the Flint sit-down strike ended, and the UAW secured its first collective bargaining agreement with General Motors. February 11th, Andrew Yang dropped out of the presidential race Interestingly enough, he was the only candidate talking about automation taking over human jobs, and he has a solution to that. Not everybody likes it, but it's, you know, some, at least he's talking about it. You've got to give him credit for it. Okay, Jeff, how are you there doing? Was a, you uh, want to take one? Yeah, there, What's that? There was a uh, show last night on the History Channel about uh, robots taking over human yeah. jobs. Um, it's quite interesting. First, yeah. human robot they made gave a speech at the uh, United Nations headquarters in New York. So they they're, they're working very oh. fast on all this. So yeah, I know. I know. It's you know it's the number one thing facing us besides yep. you know uh, permanent replacement of strikers. Anti-scam yep. legislation is needed. So, yeah. You want to take next uh, number seven? Number seven. February 13th at a special convention in Flint, Michigan. Steve Dawes was elected by the delegates as director of UAW Region 1D. No other actions were taken up. Uh, right. Number eight. Right. Let's just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, February 13th, the Culinary Union of Nevada issued a statement in response to Bernie Sanders' rebuttal against claims he would end culinary culinary health care. I'm hearing a little bit about that. Okay. February 13th, right. lawmakers. Go ahead. Lawmakers LG Chem discussed delay in job details, construction of a two point three billion battery plant cell that has set to start in April in Lordstown, Ohio, may be pushed back to July over timing issues related to the state and federal environment permits, plus working through many matters regarding gas wells on the property. Okay. February 14th, we, we hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day. 
February 14th, an Apple engineer who was on his way to work near Mountain View, California, died after his Tesla crashed into a highway barrier while using autopilot. That's very sad, let me tell you. Also indicative of where they're at with this. It's just not what they think it is yet. They need to push on, but they better be real careful with it. You know, so. uh, February 14th, Teamsters uh, Justice Department oversight finally ended after 30 years. Congratulations, Teamsters, for now being free to run your union yourself. Okay. February 14th, General Motors is working to maintain all parts to some of its most profitable U.S. plants to keep them from becoming the next factories to be idled due to the coronavirus coronavirus spreading in China. That's that virus is killing a lot of people. Right. Right. They're they're really worried about this. Some of the parts are handing off right now. And if they shut down, the, the government's talking about shutting down all transportation between the U.S. and China, and we'll see how that shows up uh, in the coming week. <laughs> February 14th, Bob Ballmer, an Indiana state employee, has a field survey there. Retires at the age of 102. <laughs> Congratulations on your retirement, brother. So much for the UAW Administrative Caucus age limit of 65. By the way, the UAW Constitution has no such rule. Okay? Everybody understand that. All right, Joe. <laughs> he worked for a long time. Uh, he did. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's one for the history books for sure. February 14th, PM yeah, sure. to pay salary workers bigger bonuses despite turbulent 2019. All right. Uh, February 14th, Toyota boasts based. I'm sorry, Toyota based. Kihin Corporation announced that it is planning to shut down its Kihin North America plant in Capac, Michigan, in February of 2021. The plant has 165 workers. It makes automotive air conditioning systems and advanced engine components. If you want to know where KPAC is, it's halfway between Port Huron and Flint, Michigan, about two-thirds of the way uh, after Flint, east of Flint probably, about two-thirds. And it's a nice small town. Uh, We had a millwright that owned a bar from when I worked at Chevrolet down in the hole. There was a millwright that owned a bar in KPAC, believe it or not, and uh, they did well. Uh, But the plant's going to... It's scheduled to be shut down with 165 people being around at work. I mean, evidently, pretty good paying work, too. So, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, KPAC has a really, really nice uh, voice count camp around there. KPAC. Yep. Uh, my son was there uh, one summer. Okay, number 17, yeah. February 15th, all local union. I'm sorry. February 15th, temper temps at local union 2250. Got a letter from GM saying they were overpaid 40 hours of vacation in 2019 and are being asked to pay back 
Uh, that's, that's not good no more. How can you no, that's not good at all. Them? And my understanding is they were told that they were able to do that uh, by authorities uh, in in uh, uh, elected position. And we'll see how that all turns out because that's quite the mess. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I remember to um, only go back three days uh, or something like that. Something gone was 60 days. That's 60, 60 days. days. Okay, pay it. All right. So. Okay. Um, well, switchboard's filling up. So let's thank you, everybody, for being on switchboard. Appreciate it. Uh, comments? Uh-oh. Jeff, do you want to start on the first one? Sure. Any Medicaid for all plan will have to be approved by Congress. There's very little support, even among Democrats, for Medicare for all, many withheld. And uh, we need to see how that works out. Right, right. That, that remains to be seen because there's people on both sides of that issue. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the rest of the world, let's just put it in stark reflect, the rest of the world has a centralized health care plan. All of the industrialized uh, countries in the world and they don't have to, when they go to the table negotiating, they don't have to worry about health care like we do here in the United States. If we had a centralized health care plan it might make it easier to negotiate. But there are folks saying that, you know, the other side of that. We're uh, just going to let that play out and see what 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 occurs there at this time. So um, I don't still don't think that the candidate in that's going to win the presidency or uh, even be in the Democratic Party is – is in the race yet. I just do not think that. So, you know, I had a conversation with one of our core members uh, earlier or late this afternoon, and uh, she was uh, very concerned about where everybody's going so early. It is very early. Let's sit out and just wait and see. And, you know, our union might have something to say about it as well once it's all said and done. And we are union brothers and sisters, unlike Bob King, who's out there endorsing somebody all on his own, trying to affect the the election and our endorsement process. We're just staying out of it right now. We're on the seat because, again, I don't think the candidate that's going to win this in the race yet at all, either as a Democrat or an independent. And uh, I was told some things about running for independent that you could run and enter the race as late as uh, first part of or last part of July, and be on the ballot for the November election, because you see there wouldn't be a primary for an independent candidate. But we're going to see how that all plays out. Uh, actually, the first of August, I think, is some of them. Michigan has the highest threshold to try and get in as an independent. You have to have 30,000 signatures when you file. Some of the states, it's simply a $1,500 fee, and they put you on the ballot as an independent. 
So we're going to see what occurs there. Uh, It's going to get interesting. Let me tell you, I know one other person that's thinking about getting into the race as an independent. And uh, we'll see what that person does. Uh, It's going to make a lot of people a little nervous. But let's just say this. Uh, regarding an independent coming into the race. If the independent were to gain 34%, the other two get 33% or something less than that because there are a number of other parties, including the Trotsky-based working class party that are going to take in libertarians or their Green Party, uh, all of the above, uh, and they're going to take a few. But let's say that the independent gets 34%. Everybody's mad at everybody that's there, so let's let's vote for an independent, right? Well, as it turns out, if nobody gets 270 electoral college votes, it goes to the House, or Federal House of Representatives, for them to decide. And they would either pick a Democrat or the top vote getter. I highly doubt that they would elect Trump in the House <laughs> okay, after what's just occurred. So they should have been a little nicer looking in a longer sense, okay, with all of this impeachment and acquittal and the, the you know, name-calling, et cetera, going back and forth. It's just not a good thing to be doing. And they needed to have a little more decorum for each other and respect for one another. That's why that we have three houses, three branches of government, and the legislative branch with two branches, okay, two two, uh, houses, Senate and the House. So we'll just see. That's called bicameral legislative, okay. Uh, We'll just see what occurs, okay. So, um, so, hmm. Uh, there should be, I'll get this next one, uh, there should be recourse for clear violations of contractual language other than a strike. Viol- appealing to a politically appointed NLRB is an expensive and lengthy process, and companies recognize that. Okay? Don't know how to address it. Name withheld. More on that later in the show. All right. Um, Jeff, I think I'll... Yeah, take number three. I'm going to do four. Okay, good. Okay. Leroy, when talking about the angry gas station attendant you mentioned in the global tax imbalance, can you tell us more about that name withheld? Right. I'll I'll just take the the answer. Yes, I, I did an entire show on that subject of global tax imbalance, and you can now easily find it on this Working for a Living page uh, of this show, and it is the number one link under other important shows, okay? So you go down, I don't know, bottom of the first page, top of the second page, depending on what you're looking at, the the page on, uh, and you'll, you'll find those other important shows, and it's number one. Okay, and you know it's it's worth understanding that um, 
just there's a you know uh, an understanding of what's really gone wrong with our country. So number four, and this is a long one, um, and uh, it, I believe it to be uh, a lot of the membership's feeling right now. And let's just get through this because uh, you're all gonna probably be saying, I can relate to that. Start the quote. I've been a un- been union most of my working life. I was in a grocery store workers union. I'm a journeyman mason, local 179 out of Youngstown, and the UAW local 1112, and now 2209, and I'm a third generation UAW member. I hate to say this, but with the corruption in the IUAW and lack of representation locally and on the floor, what is my union's role anymore? I really see no use for the union, and that's not something I say lightly. If anything, the union makes things more difficult and confusing to us peons on the floor. There is a loophole in every paragraph in the contract, and our bargainers helped put them there through intention or ignorance or both. The international sold us out long ago agreeing to contractual language that cannot be undone. They voluntarily crawled into the mouth of the alligator that will never release its bite. Locally, there is no representation on the floor. Committeemen won't write grievances. Hell, most of them Most of the time, they don't even answer calls, so I never even put one in. Shop chairman due to the competitive operating agreement, Appendix K, have been whipsawing themselves against each other, maybe egotistically instead of communicating with other chairmen and fighting to help each other. Instead, they give shit away to deal, to steal work and tout how they save their own plan. There must, there, there are the usual good old boys, and if you're not in that club, you almost feel like you're on your own. Management laughs at the threat of a grievance. I heard one guy say, I could care less about your grievance. Right too, they don't matter. And he's right. Chances are your call won't even get answered, and if it does, most definitely won't result in a grievance. So you've put a target on your own back and nobody to call if you get retaliated against. Management doesn't care if a grievance is written. They'll fire someone knowing that it'll take two years to resolve a grievance and only the employee gets hurt with lost wages, etc. We have a new guy running for committee, man, in my district, and I hope he gets it but I don't think it'll help. It'll be like taking over a house that has a collapsing foundation, weeds growing in the living room, the roof leaks, and all he has to fix it is a bent flathead screwdriver law. LOL. If you were to come back for a month, you would be appalled at the state of the third union you once built so strong. It's bad. They've given so much away, they're nothing more than HR. 
you you can get more complicated uh, more accomplished through management than with the union and withheld in answer to that we understand the frustration and anger among among the members on the floor regarding could you ever fix it once you get there if you are elected i have some of those same thoughts myself from time to time but yet and still it's worth a try this current culture took a long time to get to this point and it will take some time and support of a, of a group void of personal agendas from the members on the floor to correct this. In the meantime, the appeal of the ratification vote holds some promise. And we'll have more on that later in the show. Okay? So we, we feel your pain. Uh, it went on to say this is sister or brother, but it's... Uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, a lot of people are, are feeling this right now, and some people are trying to take advantage of that for their own personal agenda. Be careful who you follow, because some of them that are out there are really doing it for their own personal agenda. It's not a good thing. And their personal agenda isn't even in support of our own democracy as it is our republic as our country is. So, uh, Jeff, you got anything to say in this, this person's or this member's heartfelt message? I totally agree with everything he said. Um, yeah. That's the facts on the floor. Nobody can deny it. It can be proved. Um, it's sad. Sad to what has been happening. Uh, I'm very disappointed in people. Right. Well, uh, talking about groups out there that really don't care. Uh, we have a definition this week that sort of speaks to this. Propaganda, it's a noun. Propaganda is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. Propaganda plays on human emotions of fear, hope, anger, frustration, sympathy, to direct audiences toward their desired goal. In the deepest sense, propaganda is a mind game. A skillful propagandist exploits people's fears and prejudices. Successful propagandists, also known as demagogues, understand how to psychologically tailor messages to people's emotions in order to create a sense of excitement and arousal that suppresses critical thinking. End of quote. Again, everybody should be very wary of who you follow. There are people out there with their own personal agendas 
For example, this paragraph, or, or, I'm sorry, Article 8, Section 4, appeal, it's or, a request for, not appeal, but a request for a uh, uh, special convention. Uh, we'll get into that special convention that just took place a little later, but simply ask them, because they're touting it as this just deals with one man, one vote, and some, you know, uh, transparency for finances, et cetera. Well, yeah, it does. But it also has a request for amendments to amendments. I made light of that last week because it's simply not even written correctly because you have to have an amendment before you can have an amendment to an amendment, right? So, uh, <laughs> God help. Uh, it's just bad. Uh, but ask them, what amendments do you plan on promoting? Because they already know what they are. They had a meeting last Sunday, okay, to determine some of these. They're going to put a committee together and they're going to have, you know, talks about which ones, but they already know what they want. That's why they wrote that. Ask them what they're going to put in there because it's going to surprise you. And part of the problem is some of the things that they want violate the current UAW Constitution, which means they could be subject to a challenge of their membership for even promoting it. And they might not even know, the promoters currently might not even know what those amendments are that they're going to get in trouble for for promoting. And that would be really bad and uh, abuse by the people trying to promote this and get their own agenda fulfilled. Here we strive hard not to abuse anybody and give you guidance to keep you out of trouble, not put you in harm's way. So with that said, Jeff, you want to take on this quote this week? Uh, sure. Unless you have anything to talk about on what I just said, the, the definition there. No, you, you did a good job. Okay. Quote. During a glorious fight for civil rights, we must guard against being foolish by false slogans, such as right to work. It is a law to rob us of our civil rights and job rights. And that's by Dr. Martin Luther King. And, uh, you know, I think everybody respects and admires that man what he did during his life. And think about this. He was talking about this 50 years ago, Jeff, right to work. Yes, he was. Over Probably longer than that. Yeah. He was a great man. I give it to him. Yes, you are. Uh, Jeff, do you have a report this week on uh, the Black History uh, event or uh, instance in, in our history? Um, I got a couple here, Leroy. Not not much. Okay. I've been finding them. I've been putting them on the page. Um, let's right. see. I got. I got to say, uh, while you're looking or deciding, uh, the notion that who was it? It was uh, 
Joe Lewis and Jackie Robinson were in the same uh-huh. basic training unit in the 1940s. Okay, I found that just absolutely amazing that two men from the same basic training unit went out to be notable athletes in their own right, boxing and uh, the track field with uh, Jackie Robinson. Uh, So uh, one of the fastest men. Wasn't he one of the fastest men on the planet at one time, Jackie? Yeah, he was. Um, in, in, the, in the Olympics, in yeah. 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 And he okay. He was second right. place to uh, Jesse Owens. Right, right, uh, yeah, exactly. All right, well, I'll uh, I'll let you go with your report, Terry. Okay. Um, there's a Facebook group or a um, website called Face to faceafrica.com and they put out a, a story this week about Carl Basher he was the U.S. Navy's first black diver with an amputated leg um, they made his life story into a movie Cooper Gooding Jr. was uh, portrayed Carl Basher and Robert De Niro was the sergeant. Good movie. If you get a chance to see it, uh, check it out. I don't remember the name of it, but um, the ending was really, really good. Um, so then I have a quote from Dr. King. We need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. That that's the first time I've ever seen that quote from Dr. King, and I've been watching for his quotes all the time, every day. Uh, let's see. I don't see the demand, right? Oh, there's a found a picture, and I put mm-hmm. it on my page. It says, "Green like Martin, campaign like Obama, march, march like Jesse." Think like Garvey, fight like Malcolm, speak like Frederick, educate like W.E.B., and believe like Thoroughgood. That's an awesome post, post if you can find it. Um, right. right. That's, that's about all I got, you right? Um, right. That, that, uh, that, that diver, Master Diver, that's an amazing story, and it is a... Uh, a movie out there with Cooper Gooding, I think Robert De Niro, as you said, uh, and it's just an amazing movie. I, I, I too cannot think of the name of it, but uh, if you ever get the chance, uh, look it up, and uh, if you just insert by Cooper Gooding, I'm sure it'll show up, uh, and uh, it goes through all of the trials and tribulations of becoming a uh, master diver in the United States Navy. And he was the. I think he still remains the only one. And he had uh, he lost his uh, foot. I had an amputee on his foot during uh, uh, some. I believe to be some uh, uh, just rabble rousing or you know foul play or just doing something they shouldn't be doing. 
uh, and uh, he lost his uh, foot over that uh, chain coming and hit it. Uh, so uh, it was it was sad that that happened. But he, uh, you know, put on his uh, big big boy boots and went out there and did it anyway. You know, so yeah, it's amazing. Story. He had to prove to the yeah. naval board that he was still able to be a master diver. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a right. great story. Um, oh yeah, if you can find it, courage, watch it. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, right. So let's. Um. Yeah. So I got Leroy. Okay. Well, thank you, Jeff, for, for those uh, interesting stories uh, for Black History Month this month. Uh, you, you're pretty well versed in that, so we defer to you every February when that comes along. And uh, there's people on both sides of that issue, but that's, uh, you know, we celebrate it, and uh, we celebrate a lot of other. Uh, this is, I think, it's also Women's Month, uh, so you know, we we celebrate that as well. Uh, and uh, you know, there's Scottish Month and all kinds of things out there. I'm sure there's. Uh, of course, St. Patrick's Day, that's uh, a, uh, a day just for a single individual, St. Patrick, right? So, <laughs> anyhow, uh, wherever you're at with it, uh, it's nice to have our, our rich history uh, with all of that. So, let's see what's going on here. Somebody sent me a message. Men of Honor is the name of the movie. Okay, thank you for sending that in. Appreciate it. Men of Honor. And it is a great movie, okay? So thank you for that. Uh, our, uh, one of our team members there has sent that in. We appreciate it. Okay. My report, uh, we have several items here. Uh, one we talked about in the one of the announcements or one of the emails, uh, is there a better recourse for clear violations of the contract other than a strike or NLRB, which is costly and untimely. Of course you want resolution at the lowest possible level, and you want it as quickly as possible. But once it escalates to a certain level and it gets to uh, where you would normally go on strike, you know, with our membership going down and with global... uh, manufacturers that we're having to deal with that just kind of flip their nose at us and, uh, uh, you know, focus on their other global entities and threaten to take our entities out of the United States, uh, what can be done? Well, you know, our current options are simply a strike where members make sacrifices sometimes with little advantage or effect. And we kind of saw that last fall with our GM strike. You know, you'd like to think we'd got a little more out of that. And it just didn't seem to be the, the case. Okay, then then an LN, uh, uh, NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, we can write agreements and either the union or individually uh, and this is very costly and very time-consuming. Often, essential justice is not meted out for years. Okay? 
So you, you want, you know, something that's, you know, more timely, something that actually strikes when the iron's hot, okay, that stops all of the nonsense and the contract violations by management. So what's needed? Well, we could have a law that says there would be a summary judgment lawsuit. In other words, after hearing or reading both briefs by both sides, that a judge or a set of judges makes a ruling on either side for what's right. And this could take weeks, not months or years. Okay, so you'd have something pretty quickly. We don't have that in place now. Okay, this would be a labor court, so to speak. Okay, with probably three judges, or, you know, that's just a suggestion. One wouldn't be enough. And you got to have a tiebreaker in there so you couldn't have two or four, so three or five, right? And, um, and of course, they're going to be appointed by who? If the federal judges, by the President of the United States. So how you vote matters. If you vote for somebody that's not labor-friendly and more corporate-friendly, then you're not going to have the judges you require to be fair and impartial. And we see that more and more in the judiciary at this time. It needs to be balanced. Okay? And it's okay to have a couple corporate and a couple, you know, labor strong and one in the middle just to see where it all goes. Fine. Okay, on that board. So that's one way we can have it. The other thing is, if you... I've been around long enough to remember OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Act, when it first came in. And they would go through, OSHA would come through the plants periodically. And I think I've told this story before. And this is, this is immediate effect, if you will, Okay. We had yellow lines down all the aisles, and it was my job as, as a welder. I'd get, you know, balance time stuff, you know, go do this, go do that, little jobs that you have to, you know, tidy things up or whatever. So we would have pallets of 42 cylinder heads, six-cylinder cylinder heads. They're 30 inches long. They weigh 60 pounds, and there's six on a row, seven rows high couple of boards on either end just to make sure they all, you know, stay uh, between each one of the, the tiers or the, yeah, the tiers there on the seven tiers of them. Well, on a wooden pallet, and those pallets oftentimes wouldn't get snugged in tight enough to be behind the yellow line. It can't be on it. It has to be behind it. Okay? And so... It was my job to go through the aisle when we knew they were coming and make sure everything was tucked back in. Or even if we got word that they were in the building, 
we, you know, they hey, get over there and do that, you know, right now. And so there I was with a hand truck transporter, if you will. And I'd, you know, pick him up and push him back. And if I had to, I'd kind of snap it into the next load behind it to push that back in so that we'd have him over the line. Well, any time that there was one over the line, even on the line, they would write it up, and it was a $10,000 fine. Well, luckily, they had me in our department. Okay, so I, I went and handled it. So we didn't have $10,000 fines in our department. But down in pistons and rods and flywheels, they weren't so diligent. And one time we had five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was ten. Ten citations for being on the line. And it was $10,000 each. So the plant got immediately fined $100,000. Now, take and let's put that into, you know, if we have a law in place, a labor law in place that would affect immediate and substantial monetary penalty imposed by the federal government on the corporations, just as it was when OSHA was first administered, when it first came into law, okay? That would be another way that we could have, but both of them require new law, okay, for, for labor, all right? So let's just say that um, the corporation was violating the overtime agreement, and we know they're doing that right now, okay? And we would appeal to this governmental entity. might not be the National Labor Relations Board, but it could be, and ask for immediate relief and tell them what's going on. And if they addressed the corporation with it and they didn't fix it immediately, or even if they didn't address the corporation and they found it to be true that our argument was valid and had merit, that they would come along and simply find the corporation millions, not a hundred thousand, millions so that they actually had some reason to affect it and make it better, okay? They'd have to correct what they had done. And in the face of that, it'd only take a few of those before they just started, you know, it, it, uh, adhering to the local agreements or local and national agreements on the overtime or whatever the issue is. It wouldn't take long. And it'd be a national fine, not just uh, a local one. In other words, the corporation would get fined, not just the local unit. Okay? So, uh, anything on that, Jeff? You got any other ideas that we might have to correct that? you got to have some people who are willing to stand up to do that job. 
correctly. Um, most people in the right. office now or in the plants just want to be offline and walk around and talk to people. Um, that's my experience over the last 10, 15 years. Right. You know, do anything to get offline anymore. So. Okay. Well, you gotta have the right people. Um, gotta have the right people. Correct. Um, but do you do you see any other uh, avenues? You, can you think of any that might? I mean, first of all, we gotta vote right. Okay. We, if uh-huh. we can't get our members to vote right, you know, we're just lost. Okay, if we can't get them yep. to vote for labor-friendly candidates, then we're just lost. Okay, I mean, those people who think Trump's labor-friendly, just take a look what he's done with National Labor Relations Board. He just hired two thugs from union-busting companies into the National Labor Relations Board in the last 10 days. If you think he's our friend, i got news for him. You might like yeah. him for all kinds of reasons, but he's not a friend of labor. Look what happened in Lordstown. He said, don't sell your home. Don't do nothing. Everything will be fine. The plant's closed. And people have been shipped all over the country. He didn't hold his promise. There were a lot of other things going on, but he said he was going to handle it, and he didn't. Okay. So, you got anything else on that, Jeff? Yeah. He's been talking about how great our economy is since he's been president. And then um, the next day on February 13th or 12th, um, he, he stopped pay raises for federal workers. Citing mm-hmm. economic conditions, uh, and that just really put a cramp in my style. So right. I don't, I don't trust him. Okay. I'll trust him either. <laughs> no more. I can, I can, you know, I can pick him up, but I'm not throwing away so much. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'll get on to my second. Part of my report here We're just under an hour So as much as we had here I thought we might go longer uh, I see somebody in the In, in the uh, Queue here that might have Something else to say about that Whole notion that is a strike still Effective or not uh, I'm going to uh, reach out And touch somebody here and see if he's got Something to say about that Please welcome Brother Tom to the show Hi, Tom. Hello, Leroy and uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah, we uh, we seen a, it was it a forty some day strike, and uh, what did we get out of it? <laughs> yeah, how effective was that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, this, those this days was asked by one of our, our our core team members, by the way, and uh, it's it's. Uh, well-received question, by the way, and I, and I think it's on time. But uh, do you have any comments or ideas on how other to 
you know, I mean, do we have other options other than a strike or an NLRB grievance in your mind's eye that we could get uh, to get essential justice for a violation of the Constitution or the contract, rather, without going through hoops? No, I think you covered quite quite a bit uh, on that subject, Leroy, but uh, no, I wish I had more time to think about it. I probably could come up with something. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of nothing right now offhand. So, but uh, well, I, just, I just threw a couple things out. But you know, I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback. And if you think of anything, you know, uh, we might revisit this next week again a little bit uh, based on any feedback we have. Because you know, I'm one person. You know, I got some good ideas, yep. but I'm one person. You know, there's lots of other people out there who might have an idea, and that's, you know, some of the things we need to throw out there so that, you know, members like the one that was so angry that wrote in uh, need to understand that, you know, that we're taking a look at some things here that, you know, down the road might be of some value. So don't lose hope, brothers and sisters, because, you know, there are same people out here that don't have a personal agenda other than to try and fix this. Tom's one, Jeff's one, and I'm one. We've got a whole lot of people in that you never hear from uh, and uh, that are out there uh, in our on our team that uh, are of the same mind, okay? And believe me, they really care about our union, and they hate to see what's going on. Uh, and we feel your pain. A lot of us do. And we're getting it even as retirees. We're getting it. Okay, so uh, so if you don't have anything else on that, I'll get to my second issue here. Um, no, I, uh, um, I just uh, go ahead. I appreciated that uh, that comment that uh, the brother or sister uh, sent in and pretty much hit hit everything on on the head. Yeah, nailed it. I mean, just outright nailed it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had discussions with people online and offline on the on the telephone that or, or at other locals expressing the same sentiment that that uh, person uh, uh, conveyed to you, and uh, it's yeah. it's just a shame. And it you know it, it the finger pointing's got to stop. Somebody's got to do the job. And uh, and if you listen to what he's saying, where, where is the answer to that? You know every chairman out there is fighting for his membership, all right? And this whipsawing that goes on, you know, what's the answer to that? Do we lock, lock them up and put them in prison because they're trying to keep work in their plant to keep their people employed? I mean, realistically, somebody's going to go down there. And then just uh, yeah. it was an unfortunate situ- situation in, in, a, in a couple of instances there, but uh, here again, the company played us again. You know, they played the international, they played the locals, and I mean, it was just one right after the other, and then the finger pointing starts, you know. You can't blame anybody. Don't let people back you into a corner, and and, and that's in a nutshell. Sometimes you got to just get up and walk away, and that's just not the single party. It's the other party that they're pitting you against, and that comes through communications and actually doing your job, which which is right for the union as a whole, so. That's, that's my sentiment, and, and, and if there's an answer to it, stop the popularity contest and let's get on with the show and put people in there that want to do the job. Right. 
Well, that's why we have a GM department to coordinate all such things, right? And uh, that falls under the vice president's office, and then his staff, in, case, in this case, his staff, because uh, it is a guy in the General Motors department, and uh, then the regional directors have to coordinate and have the same message. You know, I just I just re-listened. You know, we have a, a page uh, on our uh, our uh, uh, dot com. We're working for a living dot com, and it deals with corporations being held to account for treason laws the same way as uh, any uh, uh, regular human citizen might, because of this. Uh, what is it, uh, Citizens United, that they made corporations citizens. Well, okay, they're citizens. Now they should be you know, held to account the same things. You see, on that page, we have a little video of Dan Ackerman, the former CEO of General Motors, made in, I think, 2010 or 11. In that video, he said, seven out of ten cars that we make Globally, in this corporation, are made in China. So we got to put it. I mean, I, I appreciate that they're trying to make money, okay, but we got to put a curb on that, okay. Somehow, American corporations better have a little more allegiance to the United States, and if not, just just hold them to account for being in violation of treason laws and do whatever necessary to get them back in line because they're out of line right now. Making seven, if they're an American corporation and they're making seven cars outside the United States and marketing them here, by and large, for the most part, that's something wrong with that. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I, I understand the global tax imbalance gives them 32% tax advan- or advan- pricing advantage. Okay, because when they when they make them in China, they have a sales tax if they sell them in China. Called a VAT tax, but they got real cool about the notion of vertical integration, so they don't have that in the true sense that it's taxed throughout the the uh, process but only in the end item. So they they make it all in-house. So they don't have that tax at every stage. They just have one on the end, at the end item. When they send that to the United States, okay, they didn't sell it in China, so there's no tax on it. And it comes over here, and we don't have the United States sales tax, so it doesn't get taxed here in the United States. And that gives them a 32.5% tax advantage. Make pricing advantage as well. So what's that do? That causes money, $22 trillion, has left our country since 1982 when they put this policy into effect. And the guys like Jack Welsh, Alan Greenspan, um, Roger Smith from General Motors, even Larry Kudlow had his little young paws in that 
Mexico City G7 Summit in 1982. Since they made that plan, Jack Welsh and Alan Greenspan, six months hence after their retirements that were about a year off between each other, year different, said in a like statement, both of them essentially wrote the exact same thing as reported on CNBC. Globalization as we intended it did not occur, and for that, I apologize. We screwed your country, and now I apologize for that. Well, we got to fix it, okay, because we can't have money leaving the country at a trillion dollars a year, and now we have a trillion, $22 trillion debt, and the jobs leaving the country for the same reason, because if you're building it overseas, then that job left here and went over there, didn't it? So you're building about the same amount of cars over time. They're not necessarily a huge consumer market in China. They buy some cars, the oligarchs and such leadership. Same as Mexico. They're not a consumer industry. They sell a few down there. Drug dealers and cartels and government leaders. But the average person is in driving a new suburban. So, um, it, you know, it's it's rather rather interesting how our country's gone downhill. And you can read and listen about that on the, the, the link on our page. It goes into much more depth on it than, than I am right now. I will say one more thing about it. In 1980, when Reagan took office, our national debt was $500 billion, not even a trillion. And when you take our national debt from 1982 on top of a base of $500 billion, it didn't change much those first two years. $500 billion national debt, and then you compound that, you, you add to it our national trade deficit, compounded by the 10-year note treasury bill for interest. And today it's $22 trillion. And there's a way of fixing it. You just charge their tax. Not just China, but every one of the, the other countries around the world that are doing this. You charge their tax at our border and send it back to them. It doesn't violate GAAP like, like Trump has done doesn't violate it. It's a real simple fix. Like I said, that guy was ready to explode when I explained that to him a couple weeks ago, a couple of Thursdays ago. He literally ready to just come unglued when I told him about that. I thought he was really going to just, you know, explode right there in front of me. He got so angry when he understood that. But then, see, once we give that money back, we charge it and then give it back to them, what, we can also add a penalty of some 25 or 50% of that money for what they've done to our economy over the last, what is it, 82, that's 38 years? Over the last 38 years, what they've been doing to us. So there's a fix to it. 
It doesn't violate any law. They, they're not going to like it, but it is what it is. If they, you know, we just sell it that, hey, you guys aren't taxing anything and just dumping it in our economy. And, oh, by the way, we're going to penalize you for the damage you've done to us in some small way. And you're going to get more money for it. Yeah, will the products go up in price here? Yep. Guess what that's going to do? Bring jobs back to the United States. That's what it's going to do. So I don't want to hear that argument. Well, talk, the product price will go up. Yeah, so will wages. How come they've got 3.5% unemployment, lowest ever, and with such uh, a uh, demand in labor that it's there's only 3.5% unemployment? Why aren't wages just exploding? It's a good question. You're going to have to ask your president that you love so much. Because that's what's supposed to happen. With low unemployment, labor shortage, wages are supposed to increase in a big way. So, um, Any other comments on that? Jeff, I'll start with you. You have more comments on that? No. No, I don't, Leroy. Tom, you got anything on that? No, I don't, Leroy. Uh, one other thing uh, that uh, I was wondering about, uh, the last show you were talking about uh, uh, the uh, appeal that uh, was placed and uh, where it's being moved up the ladder. Did you did you get any feedback on that, your appeal? I uh, Right, the appeal, uh, that's, that's – um, well, on, on the agenda here in my report, but I'll, I'll, I'll move it forward here and, and update you on that. Uh, the ratification vote appeal, uh, a uh, notice uh, from the post office that I have a certified letter, and I, I'm not sure who it's from, but that's the only person or group that I could imagine it might be from. So we'll see what that is Uh of course, I picked my mail up over the weekend, and it uh, uh, is uh, waiting there for me. So you can't access it unless you're, they're open. But I'll know in the morning. Uh, so uh, it's currently been through the local. They failed to act. It's been uh, at the, uh, moved up to the uh, IEB level, International Executive Board, and with a request for them to recuse himself because they have the potential of some contractual or constitutional violations. And that should never be – no contract with UAW Constitution violations and it should ever be presented to the membership, and that's the appeal. And we're not – we don't know if they are indeed, so we're asking for clarification by higher authority with uh, – uh, actual credentials uh, beyond the IEB to give us our answer. So we'll see where that all goes. Uh, if they gave an answer, whatever it is, uh, we'll see what we have to do. And uh, we, we know what it is, but uh, it can do any number of things. And I don't want to even speculate. Let's just see what they got. But it uh, looks like we have a little movement on it. It's been... Um, uh, it was 16th, and we had two, two, 59 days since I put it in. So I'm glad to see something finally 
from that's I'm fifty nine days since I moved it to the IEB. It was the nineteenth of of December. Okay, and December is thirty one days and uh January has uh thirty one days and it's the sixteenth, so that makes it essentially like the eighteenth if you were so we're at fifty nine days right now. So we'll just see what what that is, and this is uh, this is a biggie, folks, because uh, we're challenging a lot of these things that we believe to be unconstitutional, and the fact that they don't have a codified in the Constitution uh, method for the ratification vote like they do for normal votes, okay, for election of officers that they held by the election committee, and this uh, big secrecy uh, is about to end on that. Okay, so, um, all right, so that covered that one. Are there any questions on that, Tom? We won't know till month or tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Uh, no, I'd be interested. In, uh, as soon as you find out, let me know. I, I'm quite excited about what's possibly going to happen with that. So, like you say, right. it, yeah, it, it could be nothing or it could be, you know, what, what we're looking for. So, but, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. Just, we'll see. They're not gonna. They're not gonna remove themselves. That's for sure. <laughs> no. No. Well, a few, a few of them did that, but uh, under uh, yeah the under the rent. federal government. Yeah. 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 Right. We'll see. Uh, a lot of people are angry. I'm. You know, this overtime thing. It's gotten out of control. Uh, you know, they need to have some sanity to it. They got. In the one plant, they got people working uh, seven days a week, 11 and a half hours a day, and other parts of the plant doing similar work are not getting any overtime, and they're not they're not canvassing them. My my assessment of a good policy for local union paragraph administration of paragraph 71 because it, the policy has to be set at the local union. And I believe if you have a critical plant or critical department or plant, if if you will, and you're you're working people seven days a week, eleven and a half hours a day, and you got other people sitting at at home because they're not they're only working forty hours, I believe you first canvas those. In the department, I mean, they some of them say they they're happy to, or uh, you know, they like the overtime. That's fine. Others say, well, I'd like you know this day or that day off. Okay, and then you go canvas the rest of the people that could even remotely do the work with nominal uh, break-in. Okay, and may have already done it in the past because they're just familiar because they moved and around the plant, between the plants in in, uh, in departments over the years. They know the job. But you canvass those people before you force one single person. Okay? And that, I think, would settle a lot of that. Uh, I think the people that are being forced seven days a week, 11 and a half hours a day, would be well served if the rest of the plant, or other parts of the plant, Similar work got canvassed before they were forced, and that's it's just common sense. And if you're a chairman and you plant your feet that everybody's going to work these hours, uh, you know, 
just because you're going to plant your feet on management side, you don't belong there anymore. And I'm telling you, there's a bunch of chairmen that need to go right now as part of where I'm sitting right now. There's a bunch of them that flat need to be removed. And, it, you know, quite frankly, you know, they get one warning and they just might get removed on general principle if they didn't adhere to their warning. Do your job. Stop screwing people. Because you see, in the charter, the president has wide latitude to deal with officers who are not doing their job. I'll just say that. Be a different union had I been elected president. People would be doing their job. Don't just like Jokic said. Don't let me catch you on the golf course. That was his policy. And believe me, when he was around, everybody did their job. I know people that said, "I just want to be around the next time he chews one of them guys out." I just want to sit on the sideline and watch that. Jokic was an autocrat, but he was a fair man, too. Okay. Just understand, people not doing their job has to raise the ire of the leadership. And if it isn't, they're not doing their job either. Now, is it? Of course, most of them, we know how they're going one by one off to the who's cow. We'll see. There's still a lot of stuff that I'm watching. And for what I see on the sideline, looking in from the sidelines, there's some things that are still going on that are not being dealt with, that are outright racketeering. And you better clean it up. We know what we're looking for. And you haven't fixed it yet. You fixed a couple things, but you haven't fixed siphoning off of union dues dollars for your own benefit. That's still going on. And it's got to stop. Okay? You can't just turn your back to it and think it's going to go away. You've got to fix it. It's got to end. And it's not going to make everybody happy because they're all making a whole bunch of money. But it's got to end. It's not legal. You know what I'm talking about. Exactly and specifically, special corporations should not be in the mix. Period. So to my last part of my report, um, (laughs) the coup had their special election that they seek, albeit that it was at the regional level. They could have easily made a motion for the purpose of advancing their agenda. Now, some of those coup coup members have said, oh, that, that doesn't work that way. We couldn't have done anything. We have to wait for the one we're asking for. No, a special election is a special election is a special election. It's that simple. 
And nothing was done because of that. They didn't do anything. They said, oh, we couldn't do it that way. It's not the type of election special convention we want. Well, it was for the purposes of uh, electing a regional director. Okay, I'm going to tell you in a second. Well, notwithstanding their pipe dream to elect an, all of the new, new delegates that may only be a, that may only by local union voting strength elect some ba- based some delegates based on per capita membership roles. So they're faced with the same very the very same delegates even if they are successful at getting their special convention, which I don't I highly believe they're not going to get it. So this appears to simply be demagogues inciting very angry management membership rather. Okay? And that's sad that they're trying to incite the members who are already angry based on our our email that we got, or message that we got, actually. It's a message. So, you know, they they want this. They want to elect, my point here is they want to elect all new delegates. But the the federal law says, I think it's 29, Title 29, USC 41B, I think is the one. It says, uh, all elected officials are elected to their, to a term of no less than three years. Okay? So the delegates are the same because they're three-year delegates. They're, they're four-year delegates. That's their term, four years. And no less than three. And we're only about, right now, uh, about 20 months in, 19 months in, something like that, to the last election of delegates. So... You see, it even violates federal law to try and elect new delegates. So they're going to deal with the same delegates they had last time. And they're probably going to get the same result as they had Thursday, February 13th. Because they'll have the same delegates there that were there in 2018 and they're going to vote just the same way they did before on the same issues that they just trying to push through. Of course, we don't even know the issues they're trying to push through that they're supposed to be specific on, and that violates the Constitution. But even if they, you know, you, you give them that they, what are these amendments to amendments that they want? Be specific. Tell the members what they're trying to be promoting here. Because you might put stuff out there that all of a sudden puts their membership at risk. Okay. And for those so naive and uneducated in parliamentary procedure, the second that the February 13th special convention in Region 1D called for the purposes of electing a new director was called to order, a person that wanted this resolution forwarded so they could get a foothold and have it in at least one region, setting a precedent for any more that might show up. Okay? Because there's a big move in Region 5 not to be dismantled, merged. You may have an election there, and that would be the second one. 
if they wanted to, the second it was called to order, have somebody jump up and say, I move to suspect the rules for the following purposes and list all of your agenda and have somebody run up there and say, I move to second the motion and then have a vote. And either you have the power or you don't. And you did it in nineteen and in, in two thousand eighteen rather. You did it in two thousand eighteen and you're likely not going to have it now, so it's just a bunch of incitement of the membership. And I'm sick of it, quite frankly. Nothing's gonna come of this. All it is is a bunch of bullshit by people talking loud and saying nothing. And I'm sick of it. You got everybody, you're dividing the membership more than you are uniting them. At least we're giving them hope. Everything you're saying is a false promise. Absolutely a false promise. And even still, your resolution doesn't address any of the corruption that's going on. One man, one vote. More transparency for finances. That's good. That's good. Okay, we like that. But it, there's no reason it can't be taken up at the, at the next convention. This special convention is just something to incite the membership and divide the membership. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself as union members. Ashamed of yourself. God help you if you're in my presence right now. That's how bad I think of you. I have you disdain and disgust for what you're doing to our membership. And it doesn't address. Yeah, you got your you got your one man one vote. That's what they're saying this is all about. Well, it's not just about that. Transparency of finances. Good good thing. Everybody can get behind both of those. If you want them, fine. If you don't, well, you, you just don't like them. But they can be dealt with in a regular convention. Then you come on here and you say, well, we want to have amendments to amendments, unspecified. But that violates the Constitution because you're supposed to be specific in everything you ask for. And then you want to elect all new delegates. Well, federal law would be violated there. So good luck with all of that, right? I'm about sick of you guys. And you had your opportunity to do everything you want at the regional level on February 13th and Local 651 in Flint when they held their convention, special convention, and all you had to do was stand up and raise your hand and say, I move to suspend the rules to forward the following agenda. And second it by another party another member, delegate. All you had to do was that, and you didn't do it. So you're just a bunch of blowhards. There's a reason I didn't tell you what I just told you. Last week we talked about this. I said I wouldn't tell you beforehand. And one of them just said, oh, well, we have to wait for our special convention. No, you don't. It's simple enough to move 
to suspend the rules to forward your agenda, whatever that those four elements are. It's that simple. And you don't know what you're doing. And God help us if you ever run to UAW. Any of you. That concludes my report. Any comments by Jeff, first of all? Yeah, Leroy, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I have one comment that you were talking about earlier about the plant-wide overtime for people working too many hours. In my plant for the last 15, almost 20 years, we have what they call a uh, department overtime list. So if you ain't working in your own area, if there's a need for an extra hand in another area in your department, you sign that list right. and you get to work those hours. And we also do it on a right. plant-wide format. It works very well. Um, right, right, right. I, I know that, but they did it in Lordstown. Same thing. It's essentially the same thing. I think Tom will verify that. They had the week prior, they had to ask, you know, canvas people and say, "Are you you in for call in early or, or overtime uh, after shift?" So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's also a way. But there, there's there's still canvassing everybody. It's essentially what yeah, I said. Canvas everybody. But they're canvassing. Them. They're canvassing everybody before they force somebody. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it, it's just a different method, you know, and how that mm-hmm. method is is locally, you know, prescribed, and that's what happens, right? So thank you for that input, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I know the listeners do, too. They, lots of times I hear, you know, we really appreciate you, Jeff, and Tom. So, yeah. So, and uh, we, everybody appreciates everybody on this show. I just got it. Preach, bro. We hear you. Okay. Just came in, so that's not just me. It's all of us that have that same mindset. It's like you said, Jeff. Same thing, different administration, but it's a way of administrating, administering it. But it's the same thing. You canvass everybody before you force someone. So, Tom, you got any comments on? No, pretty much. Uh, pretty much what Jeff said. Uh, if you have a sign-up sheet the week before, you're responsible to go up there and sign the sheet. It gets the management out of the responsibility of canvassing. You're responsible for yourself at that point, and uh, it does away with a paragraph 71 uh, violation at that point. The only way you'd have that is if they didn't come in and inform you that there was an opportunity for you, and uh, at that point you would have to take uh, take that opportunity. So, But... Uh, no, great show tonight again, as usual, and uh, hope hopefully uh, uh, things uh, uh, calm down a little bit out there. And we we start acting like union brothers and sisters instead of fighting with one another, or, right. or you know, it, it, it's just uh, sickening. And uh, going back to the beginning of the show, uh, that person put it very bluntly. Stated facts, and I don't think too many people would disagree with his um, assessment for what's happening out there on the plant floors today. So, right. that's all I, I have agree. to say. Yeah. Uh, 
That's it for tonight? Okay. Jeff, do you have any closing remarks? No, sir. Okay, let's close up the show here. Um, I want to thank all our global listeners, uh, listeners in Canada and Mexico, our U.S. Union and non-Union listeners, all of, obviously all of our uh, UAW uh, listeners as well. Uh, if you found value in this show, please tell just one more person about us. Have fun. Stay safe in the coming week. God bless each and every one of you. Try not to be divided in your daily activities and rhetoric. Good night, listeners. Good night, Tom. And good night, Jeff. I see Tom's already left. So have a good night, Jeff. Good night, Eric. Good night, listeners.